VHS Colt. VHS Colt. Lost my train. I'm Sean. That's stupid. I'm Kyle. This no. is VHS Colt. Bang. Got a start in the streets. Extra hard for these hoes. We work hard in these streets. Young got X in the most. I don't really gotta work hard in the streets. I like to, I like to sit <laughs> and take it easy. I'm a little bit too old to work hard in the streets now. Now I take it easy. I'm, I'm more of a lounger. I'll lounge in the street. Take it <laughs> easy. What's the big news this week? What's the scoop? What's the rumpus? Uh, a lot of shit with Trump, but we're going to fight about Bernie and Warren instead of trying to attack Biden or anything. Biden's a wiener. He'll kill himself anyways. He'll actually, I saw in his New York Times interview, he says, I ain't dead yet. I can't die. <laughs> so, have you, have you read those? Cool. In your, the, I think the interviews come out tonight, but have you actually read the transcripts? Some of them are weird. He comes off shit. fucking insane in some of those questions. I think it's because he is insane. I don't know if he's insane. I think he might just be, you know, getting old. losing it, losing it a bit. But you know, Trump's losing it a lot, so I guess we could do worse. That's I'd what see, I keep telling myself. I think it'd be cool to have those two idiots debate. To be honest, <laughs> they'll just say the craziest shit to each other. <laughs> it's gonna turn. Now listen here, Buster. Let me tell you, this you got to think about. All right, so corn pop, and we came breezing through town, and you know, I said to the guy, I say, you know, you can't. One in the assignment, all right? This is two times, all right? And then so that's what you get, Jack. <laughs> it was bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Biden. <laughs> it's just uh, like free association beat poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Other good stuff. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed. I'm not, I'm not going to well, I probably will play it, I guess. But I never. I haven't played any of the Witcher games either. Yeah. Um, oh, when I started reading the Witcher book. I told you this. The it was first garbage. Of short stories. The prose is not good. Yeah. I, I stopped reading it to start reading a bunch of westerns, and I did pick it back up again like a night or two ago. Yeah, they're all trash. Trash. But uh, pulp I worked trash. out this week because I've been reading like The Shootist, and I read the Zen Grey novels, you know, the shit I gave Dad for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I read, I'm reading Lonesome Dove right now. Lonesome Dove. Lonesome Worked Dove. out good for this. Yeah, uh, when it was announced that it's going to be delayed, all the nerds on the internet were because uh, CD Projekt Red has like such you know fervent support. Everyone was like, "Well, you know, as long as it produces a better game, and hopefully, you know, this means that they won't have to do any crunch to get the game out." Meanwhile, there was later, like, later, die. <laughs> later that day during a shareholder meeting, the developers were like, "Oh yeah, we're definitely going to be working long hours. There's going to be crunch, no big deal," um, and no one said anything about it. So it turns out nerds on the internet don't actually care about labor rights or anything. It's just some uh, buzzwords that they heard about in the last couple of years. <laughs> I'm glad that they're really into a cyberpunk game. Well, I like that they're they're um they're using the method, right? <laughs> so they just force them the developers to experience what it's like to live in the cyberpunk dystopia. That way, it'll be more realistic when the game comes out because they've already experienced it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't even know if that works like for acting, but uh, I, I, you're really gonna have to convince me it translates like computer programming. <laughs> no, they're, they're like, damn, we've lived it. This is lived experience. Now no, this really helps me code. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> to suffer under the yoke of late stage capitalism. Yeah, uh, I have a hot take about video games, and it's basically this: the amount of costs that goes into making most of these video games, as far as uh, labor. The monetary costs, the physical costs, all these sorts of things. Yeah. Not offset by the no. entertainment value they provide and certainly not by the artistic, artistic value they provide. So um, the industry kind of needs to be dismantled. Or at least changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I haven't ever played a video game where I was like, you know, this is so good that hundreds of people should suffer to make this. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I already mentioned I watched Color Out of Space to you. It's pretty good. It's worth watching. It's the return of Richard Stanley. Uh, big ups to Elijah Wood. Spectre Vision, his production company, has made a lot of cool genre films lately. Hit us up. Including Mandy. Yeah, I've got, I've got um, a screenplay for you. Check out Elijah Wood. I'll let you know on Twitter. And then also XYZ. They have uh, they did uh, Mom and Dad with Nick Cage, which is a good like comedy horror movie. And then they did Mandy. And then they did Color Out of Space. They're just fucking a hot track with Nick Cage. Lovecraft. Hey, you can tell it's a Lovecraft story because it's like, yeah, it's just the color, man. You've, you don't, I can't even describe the color. It's a color no one's ever seen, man. It, well, what a color, you know. Oh, it's the color, but it burns. <laughs> yeah, that's some Lovecraft well, I mean, how show. do you describe a color no one's ever seen? Like, <laughs> I know, but it's just like, oh, okay, Lovecraft, we get it. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, it is pretty spooky. good though. Uh, Jamie's in it. Your son? No, is he? Uh, not, he, there's a kid that like has the same haircut and glasses. He's probably like a little bit younger than Jamie, but he's like very pro dinosaur. <laughs> so Jameson like, oh, is okay. very pro dinosaur. All right, yeah, there's Jameson. There he is. But it's pretty good. Everyone <laughs> should watch it. When we were watching uh, 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 Pale Rider last night, I was watching with James and, and Ryan. And like the part of the very beginning when they shoot the dog, Lily, was, our dog was sitting next to Ryan. She he covers her eyes, and Jameson <laughs> goes, "I'm sorry, you had to see that." <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are pretty funny. Uh, I will say Color Out of Space suffers a little bit from budget constraints and then a few shaky performances, but it's a good little spookum. I liked it. And Richard Stanley's back. Famously, he did hardware, was a hot commodity, got to do the island of Dr. Moreau, got kicked <laughs> off of it, and then um, lived on the island where they're filming it still and got uh, snuck in by some of the crew and he appears in the film in makeup as like a dog man. And he's kind of a crazy person, but I'm glad he's back. I'm interested to see what else he can uh, do. If you guys have never read about the production of The Island of Dr. Monroe, please do, because it is way better than the actual movie. Yeah, there's a documentary about it that's um, much better than the actual movie. And the movie's not bad. It's all right. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's kind of Val Kilmer. It's a nice piece of like unloved schlock, is what I would say about yeah, The Island of Dr. Monroe. Speaking of unloved schlock, this week we watched... Pale Rider. Oh, man. Right off the top. People love this schlock. Warner Brothers will be proud to bring you the next great American Western. Clint Eastwood. Pale Rider. They came out of the mountains to ravage and rape a small mining village. Suddenly, a stranger appeared. And hell followed with him. Yeah, it's got like a ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, like eighty-three yeah. percent like fan rating. It's it is not. It's a fucking white male power fantasy, and I hate it. Yep, it's not a good movie. This it's is hokey as shit. This That's is the worst um, part about it. every like serial western from the fifties, sixties turned into a movie. Man comes to town. Oh, there's an evil guy. Oh, man, come. He he protect. He do evil. He prevent evil. Oh, okay. He sleep with a lady. Yeah, he sleep with 15-year-old girl. <laughs> no, he didn't sleep with her. He just... I know, he, but... But it, she wanted him bad. She was yeah. thirsty for the preacher. Which fits in really well with uh, what we're going to actually talk about today. <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't prepared for this. Today... We will be dragging Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay, fair. We're talk- <laughs> we going to talk mad shit about Clint Eastwood you today. You can literally see every the Clint Eastwood direct this movie. He wrote it too, right? He didn't write it exactly, but, but I'm sure he took a pass. Here's what how Clint Eastwood movies work. Everything he, Clint Eastwood is ever going to do is in this movie. But go ahead. He presents an idea to someone who's going to write it for him, and they write it. So. Presumably, a fair amount of the plot beats that take place in this movie were were Clint Eastwood's idea. He just basically didn't actually put in any of the work to write the screenplay. And that is every Clint Eastwood movie. He's like, well, you know, I got an idea for, you know, a (laughs) 15-year-old girl that's going to love me a lot. That's somewhere between Clint Eastwood and Reagan. (laughs) They're basically the same person. Oh, it's me out here. I I was in a movie with a monkey. So was Clint Eastwood. He was. All right, Clint Eastwood. He will be 90s years, 90s years old in May. So that's pretty cool for him, huh? Holy shit. Eastwood's big screen breakthrough came as the man with no name in the Sergio Leone trilogy. I'm the man with no name. Zap um, Brannigan. Sergio Leone's uh, cowboy movies, the man with no name trilogy, Once Upon a Time in the West, I'm going to get you, sucker. I'm going to get you, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, it's uh, Duck, You Sucker. There it is. <laughs> Duck, You Sucker. Um, his films also follow similar tropes where it is basically just like, hey, man with no name blows into town. He's a stalwart figure. Yeah, but the difference is uh, soundtrack's really good. Directing's really good. Cinematography's really good. Even with the overdubbing, the acting is really good. Um, they're just fine pieces of film. Clint Eastwood, uh, his, his most... According to him, is most inspired by Sergio Leone, Sergio Leone, and he basically does make Sergio Leone films, just not as well, not even close. But uh, these films, uh, the Man with No Name trilogy, Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more, and The Good and Bad and the Ugly, 
shown exclusively in Italy during their respective copyright years and finally making it to American distribution in 1967. And uh, because of the success of the final film, The Good and Bad, The Ugly, Eastwood rose from undistinguished TV actor to sought-after box office attraction in just a matter of months. At that time, he was 37 years old. So there's still time for us, Kyle. Hell yeah, I'm going to become the next Clint Eastwood at 37. There's a few things that uh, he uh, utilized his career for that I probably will not replicate once I am a star like Clint Eastwood, but we'll be talking about that shortly. <laughs> this will uh, probably be of interest to you, though, you big old nerd. He was going to play Two-Face in the Batman TV series, yeah. but it was canceled before they got to the yeah, shooting right. episode. You know who played the Penguin? Um, Burgess Meredith, that's right. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. You know who played Batman? Ah, you know who played Batman? Adam West? Yep. He was uh, young Pete's principal in Pete and Pete. They had everybody in that show. So, uh, he's known on set as a director for filming very few takes and having an easy shooting schedule. You can tell. Tim Robbins said when working on Mystic River, Eastwood usually only asked for one take or two if you were lucky. And that a day of filming would consist of starting no earlier than 9 a.m., and you leave usually after lunch. <laughs> Damn, I'm going to go and clean this one movie. I changed my whole tune about this, man. He's, he's a great man. Uh, he once claimed that the trait he most despised in others was racism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Having said that, in 1972, Eastwood attended President Richard Nixon's landslide victory celebration in Los Angeles, along with John Wayne, Charlton Kyle. Heston, and Glenn Ford. Charleston Heston and, and Richard Nixon are not racist. Um. <laughs> okay. Uh, he voted for Dwight D. Eisenhower in 52 and 56, Richard Nixon in 68 and 72, Ronald Reagan in 80 and 84, Ross Perot in 92, and John McCain in 2000. Oh, well, thank you for your vote, Larry Christmas. Uh, this is all according. Republican attack helicopters. I don't even yeah. know. Y'all need to shoot them down. This is all according to him. He probably actually more likely voted for David Duke. <laughs> That's maybe a little extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Although Clint implies that he grew up poor by frequently dro- dropping references to the Great Depression, his family actually lived in a very wealthy part of town. He had a swimming pool, belonged to the country club, and each member of his family drove their own car. And this is during <laughs> <In> the Depression. <laughs> this is during the Depression. <laughs> oh yeah, he's also from San. He was born in San Francisco, and they lived in Piedmont. Oh. I know the yeah. type. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know what crackers are talking about or honkies, I guess. Yeah. Also, in line with him being a rich little bitch, Eastwood avoided being sent to combat in Korea by romancing one of the daughters of a Fort Ord officer, who might have been entreated to watch out for him when names came up for postings. You know, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it if I was rich. You may have noticed this watching Pale Rider, but um. Many of his films, uh, I think it's like around 90% or so, have uh, at least one variation of sexual assault. Yeah. Awesome! He's been named uh, to Quigley Publications' annual top 10 10 poll of money-making stars 21 times, making him number two all-time for appearances in the top 10 list. Only John Wayne with 25 appearances in the top 10 has more. So Clint's a rich little asshole. And speaking of that, he owns the Mission Ranch Hotel and Restaurant in Carmel, California, the exclusive Tahama Golf Club in Carmel, California, and is a partial owner of the Pebble Beach Golf Club in nearby Monterey. It's like fucking Bob Hope. Yeah, he's certified for the guillotine. He'll be dead by then. Probably. I don't know. His mom's still alive. Yeah, his mother's still alive, apparently. 1986, he was elected mayor of Carmel by the sea of California. That's pretty cool, huh? Well, when you own it. We wanted to eliminate traffic and parking problems, not initiate, mo- not make more with hordes of tourists. He brought a lot of notori- notoriety that we didn't need, said Jane Meyer, president of the Carmel Residents Association. Some people thought he was charming, but I disagree. He didn't know anything about the issues. People are giving him credit for things that were on the table for years. He also hired a public relations woman and kept an unlisted phone number. He was totally inaccessible. I don't think that's being a good mayor. It was a disaster, added former mayor Gunnar Norberg. He did a lot for Carmel, apparently. Helped him out by being mayor. It's almost <laughs> like they, it's the assholes in Hollywood shouldn't be brought into elected office, huh? I mean, it worked for Reagan and Trump, so I don't know what you're complaining about. Well, what about Schwarzenegger? <laughs> him too. 
Uh, he has at least eight children by at least six different women. Oh, man. Lori Allison Murray, who was given up for adoption. Kimber Eastwood with Roxanne Tunis. Kyle, Kyle Eastwood and Allison Eastwood with Maggie Johnson. Scott Eastwood and Catherine Eastwood with Jocelyn Reeves. Francesca Eastwood with Francis Fisher. Morgan Eastwood with Dina Eastwood. He likes to walk around as though he's a moral authority. Remember that time he yelled at Obama in a chair? <laughs> An imaginary Obama? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he's Clint was such a good, such a moral man, such a just a wonderful man. That, How many uh, kids does Obama have with different women? I think he just hangs out with um, Michelle. Oh. I mean, Obama's got his problems too, but at least he's not a fucking asshole like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> He got involved in an illicit relationship with Roxanne Tunis in 1959 during the second season of Rawhide. Oh, shoot him up, send him out. Shoot him up, send him out. Rawhide. Tunis was a regular extra slash stunt woman on the show. Ah, a real Cliff character from Once Upon a Time in Time in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Is she driving Clint Eastwood around because he was too drunk? Possibly. She also killed members of the Manson family. And she said, how dare you come to our side of town, you scum fucks? I got to say, it was a little satisfying to see him, particularly in Fan. There's something about it. I do like when... Because uh, when he comes in, he's like, I'm the devil. I'm, here, I'm, I'm here to do devil's work. He's like, nah, it's dumber than that. <laughs> That's, you got that all mixed up. I know. <laughs> I do like that, though, because... The actual event when Tex Watson did say, I'm the devil. Yeah, I know that. Listen, man, you stupid bitch. Yeah, that's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, if someone comes in and Bowser kill me, they say that I am going to be pissed. I mean, unless they look like absolutely terrifying where you're like, oh, maybe this guy is a demon. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, I'll probably just be like, fuck you, let's fight. Their daughter, Kimber Eastwood, was born in 1964 as Kimber Tunis. Following Kimber's birth, Eastwood asked Maggie Johnson for a divorce. Divorce. A divorce. Hey there, uh, Maggie, I need you to uh, give me another divorce. Yeah, I had an illegitimate child with uh, an extra there, okay? See ya. But within a matter of weeks afterward, Johnson fell very ill with hepatitis. I wonder where she got it. it had to be <laughs> hospitalized. <laughs> it was it A, B, or C? Because then we can have, we uh, can tell. I don't know. Eastwood and Johnson reconciled, mutually understanding that it would be best if she turned a blind eye to his existing family. And in 1968, almost 15 years after they married, their first child together was born. Johnson was finally introduced to Tunis in 1972, outside the Eastwoods, outside Eastwood's presence by a crew member on the set of Breezy. <sighs> My God. The affair between Eastwood and Tunis is believed to have dissolved in the mid-70s around the time he and Sandra Locke got together. Tunis later appeared as an extra in Every Every Which Way But Loose, which is the monkey movie, right? <laughs> or we should say the ape movie. Yeah. Orangutans are apes, not monkeys. I mean, I've always found the distinction between you know apes and monkeys to be one of like, oh, humans just want to feel good about themselves. So I really, the difference is the fucking tail. No, there's like other yeah, major differences. We even have great apes and lesser apes for specific yeah, reasons. Whatever. You're not a biologist. You don't know. Neither um, are you, motherfucker. <laughs> As a member of the audience at L.A.'s Palomino Country Western Club, where Locke's character sings. But Eastwood didn't tell Locke about Kimber until 1983. She thought it was cruel that he admitted he was Kimber's father, but never treated her accordingly. Real, you know, real Steve Jobs situation. Real stand-up guy. Just like Ronald Reagan and his kids. Yeah, and Ronald Reagan and his rapes. Eastwood's two children from liaisons with... Jacqueline Reeves were given their mother's last name. No father is listed on either of their birth certificates. You know, I didn't like Clint Eastwood before he started this. You're really not helping the situation. Yeah, I already. this thing is I already knew he was kind of a dick, right? And then I was like, well, I guess I'll do some research about him, see what's up. And I was like, oh, he's really terrible. Like, I hate this guy now. He's made I'm a moral um, authority. That's the thing is he's made I'm uh, a you piece of shit. Like two Get off my lawn, you brown sons of bitches. I, I like him because he's in Sergio Leone movies. And then he's directed like maybe two good movies. But other than that, it's like fucking he sucks. And even like the two movies he directed like aren't good enough to care. <laughs> like fuck Unforgiven. You'll never be forgiven, Clint. <laughs> Former longtime companion Sandra Locke blasted Eastwood in her autobiography, The Good, the Bad, and the Very Ugly, A Hollywood Journey. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Locke described Eastwood as a monster who thought nothing of destroying anything inconvenient to him and likened the actor to O.J. Simpson. Oof. Wow. That's, that's bad news. You don't want to be like the juice. <laughs> Not in this day and age. Unless it's about like your running back career. <laughs> or how funny you were in Naked Gun. I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. 
Others who knew Clinton said that I had been far too kind to him, she said of this evisceration. <laughs> Neither Eastwood or his publicist, Joe Hyams, would comment. Think we can get him a comment on this podcast? Probably not. If, hopefully, someone send it to him when it comes out and just tweet it at him or whatever. I don't know if he's on Twitter. He's 90. It's probably not. Send him an email or like a letter. If you send him a letter and it's got like the hyperlink in it, he'll probably like try to click on it. Uh, Locke reiterated a previous testimony that Eastwood had manipulated her into having two abortions and sterilizing herself in the 1970s. I don't believe a woman should have an abortion. All life's precious to me. <laughs> and that he sabotaged her, sabotaged her directorial career after their 1989 split. But yeah, that's never happened in Hollywood. <laughs> no. Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, there's tons of evidence that he did do exactly that. And Warner Brothers got sued about it. But he also made she also made a new allegation that he sired another woman's two children during the last three years of their relationship. The allegation of secret children was not even acknowledged. God damn, Clint, just like fucking pull out. It was not even acknowledged by mainstream media, despite the fact that Locke's book exposed the kids' names and exact birthdays. Published reviews misrepresented the book by admitting its serious accusations and emphasizing trivial tidbits instead. One anecdote widely printed in lieu of anything relevant was Eastwood's habit of asking, Sweetie, did you floss before they made love? <laughs> what? Which, that's fucking weird, too. For, like, like her teeth? Yeah. All right. That's weird. It's weird shit. I don't... Mm. I mean, I... Mm, that's nah. That says to me, like, this man has never once in his life eaten pussy. Oh, no. Locke learned of Eastwood's double life, she wrote, when an investigative journalist phoned her during depositions in the Palamony case. The extraordinary revelation that Eastwood had a hidden family in Carmel residing in a house under his business manager Roy Kaufman's name... That's how you do it. ...was confirmed in in closed court after Locke filed a motion to discover in Eastwood's uh, will was called in for evidence, with the document showing one... Jacqueline Reeves and Reeves' legally fatherless son and daughter listed as beneficiaries. So I guess at least when he dies, they'll get some of his money. And he did put him in a house secretly. <laughs> oh, he's not that, but he's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he takes care of the illegitimate children he sired on a woman yeah. <laughs> outside of his marriage. Yeah. All right. That's moral authority. That's right. Ex wife, Dina Ruiz. This is a hit piece on Clint <laughs> Yep. Is a former local television news anchor, a reporter from Salinas, California. They met when she was assigned to interview him for KSBW-TV in April 1993. The pair didn't start dating right away since Clint was expecting a baby with Francis Fisher. I mean, as he would, right? Yeah, I know. You know well, what I mean? Let's keep this. We'll keep this on the down low for now. We'll just be fuck buddies, okay? Nothing serious. Well, yeah. In February 1995, Clint made his first public appearance with Dina at a golf tournament without ever announcing that he and Francis had broken up. Wah, wah. Did she know? Probably not. He was... <laughs> Bitch, get in the bathroom and floss your teeth. I'm out of here. Apparently, he's uh, super passive aggressive and uh, just will like stop talking or leave the room. He just seems like a little bitch, you know? What I mean? <laughs> uh, he's 35 years older than Dina Eastwood. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Dina's, you know, at this point, real shock. <laughs> Dina's parents were 19 and 21 when she was born, which makes Clint 16 years older than his former mother-in-law and 14 year old, 14 years older than his former father-in-law. Ugh. Yay! Age is just a number, right? Yeah, that's made that song, uh, th- that concept made famous by the song written by R. Kelly specifically about Aaliyah when she was like 14, <laughs> right? So he's in good company. Notable women Eastwood had affairs with include actresses Mamie Van Doren, Inger Stevens, Gene Seberg, Joanne Harris, Jamie Rose, Rebecca Pearl, mm-hmm. Jill Banner, Catherine Deneuve, and Susan St. James. Competitive swimmer Anita Lose, singer Keely Smith, oh, restaurant shit. critic Gail Green, columnist Bridget Byrne, French model Kathy, Kathy Regine. WB story analyst Megan Rose, wildlife activist Jane Cameron, Jane Cameron Agee, excuse me, and former Carmel Mayor Jean Grace. What the fuck? Generally, however, Eastwood preferred unknown women he would not later accidentally meet. In his early 40s, he'd sometimes pick up young ladies from the Carmel tourist shops for quick intercourse in his truck parked on Dolores Street. (laughs) 
Yeah, this guy fucks. Yeah, clean sweat. <laughs> he doesn't eat pussy though, buddy. So yeah. So I mean, how did he know these women? Did he ask these women? They floss? did he carry around floss with him? Probably. I wonder if he carried around like a little like I like to think he carried around a little travel toothbrush, a little floss. He's like, all right, baby, you know what you got to do before you get with the Eastwood, huh? Before you, before you ride that Eastwood, you got to go brush and floss. Let's get busy. <laughs> I like a nice minty, fresh breath around my penis. He said, "I'm gonna smang it." Smash them, baby. <laughs> I'm How you like it, your eggs? Fried up food lies, you. Yeah. I'm a smang it, girl. After you take a shower, brush your teeth, <laughs> floss. Are you, you need to douche that pussy, please. Yeah, don't make eye contact with me. You're taking your enema. At the 2005 National Board of Review Awards dinner in New York City, Eastwood joked that he would kill film, filmmaker Michael Moore if Moore ever showed up at his home with the camera. An evident reference to Moore's controversial interview with actor Second Amendment advocate Charlton Heston, who's also a piece of shit, by the way. We could we could drag his ass too if we if, maybe that'll come up later in the episode. <laughs> we'll watch uh, Return of the Planet of the Apes or some shit. In yeah. Real Heston. After the crowd laughed, Eastwood said, "I mean it." Publicly, Eastwood has not commented further because he wasn't joking. Um, and to, to, to kind of put that in perspective for you. Although Eastwood and his films have been associated with violence throughout his career, he claims to personally detest violence. And then, uh, he, uh, you know, killing Michael Moore is not violence. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't particularly like violence. I will kill Michael Moore. <laughs> um, I call it justice. Me personally, I uh, appreciate justified violence, so I will kill Clint Eastwood. And I'm not a hypocrite about it. <laughs> He had a long-held obsession with New York Times film critic Pauline Kael because she never liked his work. After her review of The Enforcer, which is a terrible film, by the way, Clint asked a psychiatrist to do an analysis of Kael from her reviews of his past work, which he had memorized verbatim. It concluded <laughs> that... Did he bring in a body language <laughs> expert, too? <Dan? laughs> <laughs> it concluded that Kael was actually physically attracted to Clint, and because she couldn't have him, she hated him. There was, therefore, that scene, how do you fucking tell that from a goddamn movie review? That psychologist should have his license revoked. Therefore, it was some sort of vengeance. This is all according to Clint Eastwood, though. So it kind of sounds like he, made it up. he was obsessed with it. <laughs> I mean, he was, obviously, but uh, yeah. did he actually pay a psychologist for this shit? He might have. I mean, he's got money to throw around, and he's a crazy person. Uh, he did lifeguard for a summer at the Kennedale Beach in Renton, Washington, 1953. <clears throat> he never had to bring his lunch. He never had to do any of the normal duties like beach cleanup because all the girls would do it for him, according to Kenny or Penny Wade, chief of budget and personnel for King County Parks. There are stories, Wade added. I'm sure there are. <laughs> <laughs> according to Robert Daly, if they ever called a meeting of all the people Clint has screwed over, they'd have to hold it in the L.A. Coliseum. Alright. <laughs> yeah, he's also a piece of shit to his co-stars, producers, um, other dire- directors, writers, people that uh, worked for him, worked around him, all sorts of shit, yeah. I, I mean, uh, no surprise there. <laughs> I mean, you see the way he treated his wives. Mm. The first incarnation of his publicity advanced the fairy tale that Clint was a star on the high school basketball team. And this became an established nugget of his life, carried down in permutations through the years in articles and his book. Book. But, Eastwood um, on Eastwood. It's not true, in case you were wondering. I wasn't. Oh. I just assumed it wasn't. It was, I just assumed it was like a vanilla ice thing. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I was a motocross champion when I was uh, a teenager. Yeah, I fucking ruled at basketball. But, uh... In, for some reason, in Rolling Stone magazine, he told them in 1985, uh, I didn't really get involved in team sports because we moved so much. So he's not even supporting his own lie. And in fact, he gave up that other lie to tell another lie because in actuality, he, he, never didn't, moved. he didn't move at all between the ages of 10 and 19. He's just a fucking scrub. Um, you know, sports aren't that important being athletic or whatever, but since he hedged his whole career on being such a manly masculine man and... Oh, the only imperfections I have are my white hips and my chipped tooth and I'm a basketball star and blah, blah, blah. Fuck that boy. He's a scrub. Couldn't, man, he couldn't even dribble the ball. Fuck that dude. I dunk on his ass. <laughs> he can't dunk. Nah, I can jump and hit the rim. That's it. In 1969, he attended a celebration of John Wayne's 40-year career at Paramount Pictures. 
along with Lee Marvin, Rock Hudson, Fred <laughs> McMurray, James Stewart, Ernest Borgnine, Ernest Borgnine, Michael Caine, and Lawrence Harvey. Ah, Michael Caine. And uh, let's hear what uh, the seminal punk band uh, Millions of Dead Cops has to say about John Wayne. <laughs> shit about clint for uh, momentarily i got a got a, a few more <laughs> i got some tidbits I got a, later. Oh, this lady's in. yeah i got a few more we'll little, sprinkle it. little stingers coming at the end but we'll, we'll actually talk about pale, pale rider a little bit so pale rider came out in 1985 it's about uh two hours long which means it's about 40 minutes too long and the basic synopsis is this a mysterious preacher clint eastwood Protects a humble prospector village from a greedy mining company trying to encroach on their land. Aside from Clint Eastwood, we do have um, some interesting character actors in it. Specifically, Michael Moriarty, um, who we'll see again because he's in The Stuff, uh, Troll, and Q, which are all definitely going to be movies that we watch. <laughs> and Doug McGrath, um, who's in Black Christmas, which I don't know if we'll ever end up watching on this, but, you know, whatever. Someday, maybe. <clears throat> and then we have a very young Chris Penn, which I only bring up because apparently Chris Penn's middle name is Shannon. Ha ha ha, that's our sister's name. That's a girl's name, loser. <laughs> <laughs> He's also like um quite like handsome when he was young. Until he got old. But fat. then I was thinking about it as I watched it as well, where was, you could see his features, like his eyes and his nose and stuff. It's like, oh, that's not going to age very well. So, yeah, he's got like a little boy face, I think. Mm-hmm. Like it's all, you're only going to be attractive for like the ages of 18 to 24. And you know what happens to losers. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you dunking on Chris Penn? I don't know. <laughs> he's dead now. <laughs> Is he dead? Yeah, he died a few years ago. Oh, for real? You need to apologize right now to Chris and Sean Penn. No. Especially Sean. He never beat a Madonna. <laughs> nah, I don't think I will. <laughs> I don't think I will. Sean Penn. He was in a career in the Cleanest Wood movie. Sean Penn, I'm coming. Yeah, Mystic River. I'm coming for you, Sean Penn. You old ass man. Also, you're like 5'5. Five, five. Piece of shit. Beating up Madonna, you little piece of shit. She could have whooped your ass. The only way, reason he's able to beat her up is because he like snuck up on her and tied her up and shit. Otherwise, she'd be like, fuck you, Sean. Whoop your ass. <laughs> Uh, the movie marked the return to the big screen of Clint Eastwood's man with no name, nameless drifter type character. Man, I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. It's also the first uh, Western he's done since Outlaw Josie Wales, which is a gap of nine years. Since, since Paint Your Wagon? Yep. And then another seven years will go. We'll pass this by and he'll give us Unforgiven. The seminal Clint Eastwood. Allegedly, the reason he didn't do westerns for a while is because he developed uh, like a, a an adult allergy to horses. 
And apparently <laughs> it was so bad on set one time that he decided to punch his horse. So he's a cool guy. <laughs> it's the horse's fault. Yeah. Cool Damn guy. your dander. Sorry your inferior genetics make you sick. At least what they make me sick too. <laughs> he's spread his seed far and wide, Kyle. That's too bad. Uh, during shooting for Pale Rider, Clint Eastwood sustained what he describes as the worst injury he has ever had on set when a horse he was riding fell through thin ice and launched him forward. He suffered a dislocated shoulder. That's not that bad. The worst injury he's ever experienced on set. The other one's been like, oh, one time I got a paper cut shuffling papers. <laughs> I, stubbed my f- I stubbed my thumb. Uh, the big thing about it, though, is um, this is probably a lie because everything else he says is a fucking <laughs> lie. <laughs> This movie sucks. <laughs> it's really bad. It's hokey as shit. Uh, the only time I, I I swear this is the only time I've seen it all the way through. Every other time I've watched it is like catching bits of it when Dad was watching it yeah. or some shit. Um, and I remember we were kids and I was like, man, cowboy movies suck. I fucking hate cowboy movies. Now that I'm older, I have an appreciation for cowboy movies, but not this one. Not when they're just uh, ripped straight from a 1950s 60s serial cowboy show. And extended to two hours. <laughs> My big complaints about it are uh, Clint Eastwood can't really act. Uh, costume design's terrible. Set design, everything looks cheap. Um, yeah, it's shot really it's weird. It's shot like a 60s TV show. Everything's really flat. No dynamic shots. Um, they seem to be using the same squibs that Peck and Paw used in um, uh, fucking Wild Bunch. So I'm not sure why they're doing that in 85. Um, the violence is cartoony uh there's the villains are cartoony the sexually uh, Mar- the only guy that's any even somewhat threatening is the, the marshal yeah but his deputies are just goose. Stockburn. Yeah. but they're just like his little the remember in uh the transformers when it's galvatron <laughs> here's scourge and his armada <laughs> here's the marshal and his deputies <laughs> yeah they're just like little clones uh sexual assault is treated very cartoonishly when after he breaks it up, he shoots the guy's gun around like it's a fucking 60s TV show. Um, only interesting costume in it is Clint Eastwood's jacket and hat combo. Everything else looks like fucking garbage. And my biggest problem with it, <clears throat> young 15-year-old girl is supposedly in love with old-ass Clint Eastwood. And her mom is, too. Mm-hmm. It's the strangest fucking love triangle. She's like, oh, I can't. You'll leave again, and so I can't be with you. But just one, this one night, and then I'll, I'll marry Hole, who's you know, he's fine, I guess. He's Michael Moriarty, no problem. <laughs> he's as tall as Clint. It's fine. Uh, no, I, all the characters are underdeveloped, including yeah, Clint Eastwood's character. Uh, the marshal just kind of comes in out of nowhere after being mentioned once. Um, basically, it's just a real slapdash affair. I'm not sure why it is the most successful Western film of the '80s. And why people thought it would be a good idea to let Clint Eastwood continue making movies. Because <laughs> this is garbage. I guess there wasn't much competition. It was, um, this is five short years after the Heaven's Gate debacle. No, I don't mean the, um. <laughs> you don't mean the, uh, the n- cult? Not the cult, because that happens in 96, 97. But the film Heaven's Gate, which was, uh, it was supposed to be an epic western and it was just a huge flop. And after that, Hollywood really was like, ooh, we got to avoid westerns for a while. Uh, this is Clint Eastwood's answer to that, and to be honest with you, Heaven's Gate is a much better movie than Pale Rider, but Heaven's Gate gets a pretty bad shake for what it is anyways. No one was ready for what he had to say about a mining town, and, but here comes Clint. I'll tell Pale you about Rider. a mining town. I'll tell you about what it's like to do a mine. Bring this around here. You gotta have faith. It's about faith. You can't. You gotta run this preacher out. Now I have faith. They'll hold them together. God damn it. The Lord. Yeah, nothing in the movie really makes sense. It's like, oh, there's a big rock. Oh, we, uh, big man come break big rock. We break big rock. Oh, we get gold now? <laughs> and then uh, the mind guy's like, oh, you think you get gold, but no, we get gold. <laughs> and that's about it. And um, there's a preacher who knows a marshal. And the marshal knows the preacher, but. The marshal had shot the preacher. That man. Or his deputy sh- shot him. That six man. Six shots in his back. But there's seven seven dudes, so I'm assuming it's the six deputies that shot him. I don't know. The thing he's supposed to be a ghost. He's like a wraith. He's not. Yeah, that's the thing is he's not. I was gonna yeah. say that this was this is a wraith a wraith movie. Yeah, that's what that's the uh, what they're alluding to is yeah he's not a regular man. He's a wraith. He's returning for vengeance on the marshal, I guess. 
But along the way, he decides to help the mining people. And the only reason he runs into the marshal again is because of the stuff with the mining people. I don't know. Does it make sense? It rhymes. It's like poetry or some shit. It's about family. Is it? (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. That's what they said Star Wars is about. Wait, Yeah, the new trilogy is about family. All right. It's about (laughs) family. I guess. Family legacy, because they couldn't possibly come up with any new ideas. Oh, my God. And the Emperor's back. Fucking, it's terrible to look at. I hate it. No, it's not visually interesting. It's the, uh, there's, the soundtrack is not non-existent. Um, like you said, the characters are thin as shit. I can't. I hate all of them. I hate everything. I don't even have the the uh, the, the, the wherewithal to hate any of them because they barely exist. They're all paper thin. Every character. There's oh shit! It's supposed to be sad when Conway gets shot by the deputies or whatever. That's like the first time he's in the movie. <laughs> no, they, he gives a couple of character bits. I guess. He's like, oh, you're not much of a liar there, whole. <laughs> you're a hell of a man, but you're not much of a liar. Yeah, I guess. Well, I have a weird Irish accent. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because he's not. Well, he's Irish-American, but he's not Irish. Didn't uh, put in too much work to get it going. Paul? But- Paul? <laughs> Paul? Paul? Should have listened to the store manager. Got you out of here, but we really want to hang out in town. Um, the town is four houses. <laughs> and two people. We see the, the store manager and his wife, and then LaHood's boys. Where are all these other people in this fucking town? Clint Eastwood's There's known. There's more people live in the mining camp than the town. And I'm doing air quotes for when I say yeah. town right now. Clint Eastwood's known for coming in under budget and under, yeah. and under schedule. So this is why he's like, fuck <laughs> it. We don't need people to live in this town. Oh, you got some old uh, ass. I can't have too many extras. I might stick my dick in them. <laughs> you got some old sets from Lonesome Dove. Awesome. Or is Lonesome, oh, is Lonesome Dove's after this? I think movie. Lonesome Dove's after this. I think it's like 80, 88. I don't know. We've, let's head on down to Spawn. Speaking Ranch. of which, I mentioned this already. I'm reading Lonesome Dove, and it's a better cowboy uh, book than this. Although they're 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 not really out for revenge necessarily. It's cattle drive time. There's only two good cowboy books. You ready? Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Blood Meridian. <laughs> Everything else is pale rider garbage. As far, oh, yeah. as, as, far <laughs> as I know, oh, I read True Grit, but um, it's it is kind of pale rider garbage. <laughs> yeah, 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 baby, yeah, baby. The um, Coen Brothers version of True Grit is better than the book and the John Wayne version. Fight me about it, nerds. The nerds don't even know. No one reads cowboy books anymore. I'm the only one reading cowboy books right now. That's next level nerdery. Everyone else is like, uh. Red Dead Redemption 2 has some very interesting visuals and new ideas about cowboys. And it's like, shut up, you stupid fucking nerd. You need to get nerdier and realize they stole everything from existing films and stories. And that's another reason why video games don't matter, because they don't introduce anything new. They are derivative and pointless. And it's like... What about Death Stranding? It's like Dadaism without any of the um, I- irony or uh, understanding of like the, the references and stuff. It's terrible. I fucking hate it. Death Stranding's all right, though, because Kojima, honestly, is the only person who attempts to try anything with the storytelling. Um, sometimes No, Kyle, you, you don't you say this now, but when Cyberpunk 2077 comes out in 2077, mm-hmm. you'll know. I can't wait to play side mis- missions about how possibly... Capitalism bad? No, if because the people that are opposed to it are um presented as crazy people, lawless people, ruthless people. As much as um, our worlds was lauded for oh its nuanced take and oh it's so critical of capitalism. No, as soon as you meet the anarchist like commune, one of the leaders is like militant and the other one is presented as like a fucking idiot. It's like yeah, well real nuanced take there. Anarchism only works with, like, fucking losers, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just don't expect, um, like, 20 to 50-year-old white dudes who uh, have spent their whole lives playing video games and making video games to, like, have a nuanced take about any, like, philosophical concept or anything. Kojima being the outlier because he just wanted to make films anyways. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why anyone thinks CD Projekt Red is going to somehow have an interesting critique or take on how cyberpunk applies to the current dystopia we live in or any of the broader political ideas. It's just going to be a fucking delivery missions for people that have uh, cybernetic implants and shit. 
I think What's it's the that, logic between between cybernetic enhancements and not making a human? Is it, is it brain implants or what is it? Just, I, I don't. I've never played. Yeah, it. I don't know. It's it's uh, really arbitrary in the game because it's just the game mechanic. You know. Yeah, I mean? but I don't it know. Like, that's s- my problem. Like I don't know. Tabletops. You can just discard the mechanics that are, are arbitrary. You know mm. what I mean? Well, that's the same problem that video games suffer from, right? Is yeah. They have to make the. They, yeah, but the table, with, the tabletop is like a more like a collaborative storytelling in mm-hmm. my mind, not necessarily a game on its say, face. I mean, it's game as, as well, but stuff that doesn't make sense to the story, I would just fucking discard. Yeah, we can't do that with video games. I'm, just, I'm just saying this as a compl- another yeah, complaint yeah, about video I games is uh, they introduce mechanics just because they think the mechanic itself is interesting and they have to try to lampshade it into the narrative where it doesn't actually make sense and you just have to deal with it. Basically, what I'm saying is, um, the best we're not we're not sending our best to make video games. <laughs> the problem is, it maybe it'll change in the future now that there's more, um, there is broader acceptance of video games and there is more diversity moving into like the development of video games. So maybe it will be better in the future. But um, everyone I know personally who's gotten into the video game industry, people that are really into video games, blah 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 blah, they're uh fucking boring nerds. So I don't expect them to produce anything interesting as far as narrative or pushing the art form further. And that's why everything now is uh, instead of like titties and violence, it's like, what if, what would it be like to be a dad? Because <laughs> they can't see anything out of their narrow vision of like uh, their own personal existence. And they're all fucking boring people. So you get fucking boring derivative stories. Kind of like Pale Red. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it all back. And that's why I hate Clint Eastwood and all his uh, um, his vassals who went on to produce video games. <laughs> <laughs> this is why one of those movies where I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, these are the kind of movies that like the alt-right watches. It's got to be, right? Because this is our very first episode when we... It, it, the most explicit example is... um. Death Wish, right? Where it's like, oh, finally a strong white man is raising, rising up against the, the the crime of the streets, the goddamn urban coastal yeah. cities with their crime and their degeneracy, and one man with a gun will solve it all. This is basically the same thing, right? 110%. Except for there's class the- a bit of class struggle in this, right? Because they're standing up to the big mining operation, right. but that's not explored at all. It's just like, these are good people because Clinton says so. And these people working at the mine are bad people. They're all rapists. <laughs> Except for Lurch. Yeah, he's... No. No. But then, uh, luckily, a little cartoon gun stuff happens before <laughs> Lurch can do anything. Uh, that would have been a perfect uh, scene to introduce justified violence. But no, it's got to be cartoon and safe. They should have just had Lurch beat Chris Pendant <laughs> <laughs> But no, he's got to do gun tricks. So you, they got to be like, oh, guess what? The preacher's a gunslinger. You didn't guess that before, huh? <laughs> Never could have told you mm. that. Not all. Wow. Yes, yeah, so I fucking hate this movie. Yeah, I was not. I was not enjoying it at all. It big, I was really excited because, like I said, I was reading cowboy movies with yeah. books. So I was kind of uh, ready to to see a, a western. I don't have to watch something else after this. Well, I, I kind of knew it was gonna be bad because of what I'd seen of it before, and then also, um, there was a huge drought of westerns in the eighties because no one was interested, and it was like, well, Clint Eastwood made one that did all right, so it's probably terrible because <laughs> he makes mentioned earlier that he does everything in one take that's why all of his movies seem corny and like terrible because like, they're just actually <laughs> just fucking getting used to their lines when they, when yeah you... yeah Ugh. fucking american sniper <laughs> <laughs> his movies are so fucking cheesy ah, i'm like afraid to go back enough. and revisit unforgiven now <laughs> i haven't, I haven't seen it since time. i was like 16 uh, yeah i'm pretty sure i won't like it anymore uh one final thought a little story i want to bring up about Mr. Clint Eastwood. And it goes like this. One afternoon in the early 1970s. Uh, so Eastwood would have been about 60 now. <laughs> no, so he's born in 1930. So he's coming up on 40, I guess. Yeah. Eastwood and his friend Paul E. Lipman were walking around San Francisco. A random woman on the street who happened to be of short stature, just his type, sniffed. Oh, you're Clint Eastwood. I hear you're a bum lay. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. 
Clint was very stunned and a total loss for words. He stretched his neck muscles mightily. Oh, I should point out this comes from the um, only approved biography of Clint Eastwood that was written by like one of his best friends, and it's like super like oh here's some <laughs> it's like masturb- masturbating over Clint Eastwood, uh-huh, yeah. stroking his dick the entire time. Yeah, stretched his neck muscles mightily oh. as he always did when stuck for a quick response. Sinews throbbing. And- then finally managed. Well, uh, where'd you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> To which she pertly answered, oh, it's all over town. After a few more neck stretches, I guess. (laughs) So weird. It was your bird. Clint invited her for a drink at at some club to discuss the matter. Then spent the night at a Sausalito. Oh, fucking Sausalito. Fucking rich people. (laughs) At Sausalito's Altamira Hotel trying to prove otherwise. The next he's morning, he's been married for three years at that. Point. Oh, he's definitely married and has like uh, a mistress and like a side piece. And he's this is like the sixth woman he slept with today. All of them were pregnant, and he's having them all have abortions or uh, put them up for adoption. He probably just punched some of them in the stomach. <laughs> Vigorous exercise. Yeah. Uh, the next morning, Lipman asked her if she still thought Clint Eastwood was a bum lay, and she held out a flat hand, palm down, and wiggled it as if to say. Eh. <laughs> a ringing endorsement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that's interesting about the story, though, now that I read it again, is the next morning, his friend Lippman was just hanging out to ask how it was. <laughs> He's like, all right, Lippman, I need you to come down to that hotel bar at exactly 9 a.m. when I kick her out. All right? I'm sure he had like a whole <laughs> gaggle of like... Um, yeah, Let, hangers on. Man. Lesser men that were just sniffing around all the time. Like he had some real Lindsey Grahams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, Bill, look at you, Clint Eastwood. I bet you gave her the, the best dick in your life, huh? <laughs> oh, Willie Clint. Oh, 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 folks. Oh, Clint, Clint, Clint. Oh, buddy, you're so strong. Oh, oh stretch that neck, Clint. Oh. Not to feed into, like, regressive anthropology, but, like, you know when you see the troops of chimpanzees and, like, there's the, there's the lead one. male <laughs> yeah, and then the all the juveniles are always, like, trying to show off for him? I like orangutans better. That's, like, the <laughs> kind of situation I gave him. Obviously, bonobos are the best because they just solve everything by having sex. Now that's the society I want to live in. <laughs> well, you know, it seems like it works really well in small societies, but you can't scale that. Why not? Everything we uh, we've done to produce a society we have now is just believing in shared myth. We just gotta create other myths for us to believe in. No, I mean like the sex part specifically. It doesn't scale well. You can't have sex with the world. <laughs> Trying to stop me. <laughs> that's how we got AIDS. <laughs> And yeah, super like chlamydia and gonorrhea and herpes and man, I've been fucking the world and I ain't come yet. <laughs> Shout out to Weezy. I feel like the world's been fucking me. Uh, well, I guess I will wrap it up for Pale Rider. This I has been fuck Clint Eastwood. Yeah, this is this podcast is more just about how shitty Clint Eastwood is. Like fucking. Join us next week when we talk about his other fucking terrible trades. No, nah, we're not watching any more Clint Eastwood. I need a break from this. Man. <laughs> what are we watching next week then? Um, next week. Uh, I'll tip my hand a little bit and let you all know usually this part of the year like the after Christmas but still winter part is like the most depressing time of the year yeah it's like the hardest for me to get through so I kind of scheduled out some movies that uh, I already knew I liked and were good so that I just have a good time watching them and thinking about them so uh, next week we're going to be watching one of the best horror movies ever made one of um, my favorite films of all time probably I think it's probably my top 10 uh, it's a little bit cliche, but we're going to watch The Shining. The Shining? The Shining. It'll be more fun to talk about because we just talk about it on a personal level this one because fucking everyone knows about The Shining and Stanley Kubrick and shit. We don't yeah. have to. I mean, <laughs> I, for one, I can drag Stanley Kubrick too. He's got a pretty shitty past himself. <laughs> yeah, he didn't uh, treat uh, fuck, what's Shelley Duvall? Duvall very well in this movie at all. No, he's uh, not on the same level as Clint Eastwood at all, but he's kind of a dickhead. That's the big thing. Yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit. Why not? Yeah, we'll talk about it. It'll come up a little bit. Um, Shelley Duvall's great, though. I love Shelley Duvall. <laughs> She's uh, olive oil. Yeah, that was the role she was born to play, <laughs> they say. Yeah, so McVentureProductions.com. Stop playing video games. That's another big message for this episode. Until the industry changes, we got to stop providing them with with money. Yeah, I mean, that's really the only way you'll get them to change is if... um, That's the thing is you hate to put, like, the impetus on the consumer because, you know, 
it sucks to be a consumer. It sucks to be alive. Because you but, really have no power, but... Yeah, but it's like, go. fucking, they, we need to defund the industry somehow. Or there needs to be a major push for them to unionize. Because uh, the, the, the pushback on what I said is, well, the film industry treats its employees terrible, too. And it's like, well, at least they're all unionized. Yeah, I mean, and they have, they're paid better than the fucking video game industry. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's way different. <clears throat> and, yeah, the video game industry should be unionized as well. A flat hierarchy. Everything should be an elected position and uh, other anarchist things that I believe in. But <laughs> you got to take small steps. So we'll start off uh, by... I'm sorry, I'm caught. I believe anarchy is mass chaos. There's no elected <laughs> positions. You're doing it wrong. Oh, no. How did that actually come to be what people thought anarchy is? I think it's because that's like the easiest way to dumb it down. And like when you're in high school, that's what everybody Oh, says. just because basically the word itself yeah. is like, oh, yeah. I guess, yeah. I don't know. That's pretty dumb, though. But uh, small steps. First step, everything unionized. After that, um, everyone gets together and they just smash their problems. <laughs> and by smash, I mean smash it. Smash it and bang it. <laughs> How you like your eggs? Fried up for love. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rihanna's single again. Oh, so yeah, I went to bring that up. Everyone tell her I said, what's up? We have a good time together. I just want to spend 420 with Rihanna. Throw over my shoulder, take her back to mine. So, but I mean, like, the, the, the message is there. The feelings are there. I want to put Rihanna in her run and eat her butt. <laughs> uh, nah, she got floss first. Nah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't care about that. That's like one time at one of my jobs, I was like... There's this like younger girl that like always was like um like flirting, but it's like she tried to like talk shit. Huh? Yeah, she tried to try to like get me into corners, right? Like verbal corners, I guess. And I don't remember how it came up, but she was like, "Yeah, you fucking probably like I've been having taking a shower in like two days, and you probably still eat it." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't give a fuck about no pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dirt person. Don't you know how I live? I have a shower in five days." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's some crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah, tell me on what's up. Go to McVentureProductions.com. Be the first patron and I'll tell you what's up. In your butt. That's right. I'm talking about putting you into Hurricane Rana, eating your butt. Same thing. Rihanna. First you, patron. Are you doing the Hurricane Rana wrong because it's the other way. What? No, Hurricane Rana, you're face in front. Yeah, you get the butt that way. You cannot. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? You put the legs up. You have like chopsticks. You never really have to, you have to like, lean back and that shit. Or have her lean forward. I'm just saying, like, the Hurricane Runner, to me, is not the best position to eat butt from. It's just, like, your thighs around someone's head, so it sets you up for the perfect position to eat your pussy and butt. Jeez, that's all it is. God, use your imagination. <laughs> I am. I'm just, it's fine for pussy, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not great for butt. <laughs> I could do it. <laughs> but I've definitely eaten butt in, like, face-to-face position. Just the, the legs up. You need to experiment more. Standing? No, I mean, that's well, fucking goddamn it. That's how I picture the Hurricane Rana. It'd be exhausting to do it that way. I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. Just to tell us. This everyone. has been another rambling uh, sidetrack from, from Adventure Productions and the VHS Cult. This is what people expect. Anyways, VHS Cult, tell your friends about it. Tell Rihanna about it. Um, go give money to us because I ain't trying to get a real job. I'm just trying to be out here. Telling people what they need to hear about video games and Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is a piece of shit. Oh, tell Clint Eastwood to listen to VHS Gold too. <laughs> VHS Gold. And follow us on Twitter and rate and review or some shit. I don't know. I think it's probably just better just tell people about the podcast. Like get up on Reddit, go on Twitter, talk about us on Facebook. If you got like one of those like ants that's like all about like oh we Trump is the best and uh, we need to get rid of these goddamn immigrants and blah tell them yeah I mean people lots of people got ants like that uh, just tell her to listen to the podcast fucking VHS couple.